listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining us. Here at Clear Creek, we're walking through a sermon series called Salty. We're learning how Christians can and should stick out for the right reasons. This week, we heard a sermon about how we need to fight consumerism and serve the needs of others. So in today's podcast, Ryan talks with Aaron Lutz and Lance Lawson, and they discuss the question, are we raising consumer kids? We hope this conversation is helpful. All right, guys. So during this Salty series, we've been talking about different questions that come up whenever we are you know, preaching through this series so far. And so uh, this week, we talked about consumerism and how consumerism affects our hearts. And really, it was a message about uh, being self-absorbed, really just having the focus on yourself. And it got me thinking about how we can lead our families in such a way specifically our kids, to not be so self-absorbed. So before we get to that, maybe let's just talk about culturally, do you think we live in a world, live in a culture that is self-absorbed? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about how, how, that, how you see that showing up. <laughs> I mean, obviously we see that on social media, right? The people, the, the images that people project seems to be pretty self-absorbed. I mean, we have a term, the selfie. That was never a thing before, but that's now all of a sudden a thing social media gave us. Uh, just a new way to be self-absorbed. Yeah, I mean, we, we live in such an affluent culture that we have the ability to live uh, unlike people hundreds and thousands of years ago. I mean, we have anything we want at our fingertips. And so just the culture is designed to meet our needs at all times. We have apps on our phone that can have, I mean, I ordered something on Amazon the other night at, at uh, 8.30 p.m. It was on my front door at 4.30 a.m. That's crazy. Like that quick. Yeah. I feel like that's happened recently. Yeah. And this is probably not like a good parenting move, but it's like, I like make sure everyone in the house knows how awesome that is. So like, <laughs> guys, did y'all, did y'all, I mean, you saw me buy this thing <laughs> right. and now all of a sudden it's here. Like that's how fast it is. And I want them to appreciate it, but they're probably just kind of like, yeah, that's just normal. That's dad. just, like, yeah, that's how things like, happen. What's your, what's your deal with that? So technology is advanced in a way that we can be more self-absorbed uh, than maybe ever before. But that doesn't mean that people weren't self-absorbed before that, right? Yeah. I mean, and I would say that... Uh, in some ways, this is not new just because people in general, us included, like we're not saying it's everybody else, but we're all, you know, arrogant and prideful at times. We can be self-absorbed. And so uh, I was reading some things recently about just the different generations. And I feel like, you know, we, we're on the older spectrum of the millennial generation. And so I think sometimes people point to like millennials as, mm-hmm. oh man, they're all self-absorbed. They're the selfie, they're the me generation, uh, the iPhone, all those things. And so uh, I was thinking, oh, surely there's going to be all this stuff about how millennials are the most self-absorbed generation. But now that millennials are starting to get older, they're now talking about how Gen Z is so self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the studies are just showing that it's not necessarily a generational thing. It's more of just like that certain like age gap. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, late teens and then into your your 20s, you tend to be more self-absorbed. And as you get older and you start having a broader worldview and you start having to care for other people, your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, uh, you tend to become less self-absorbed over time. And so uh, maybe it's not necessarily a generational thing, but just a, an age an age bracket. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you've 
thought about the same things, but no, I think every generation likes to bag on the generation coming behind them. Absolutely, right? yeah. especially when they've reached the age where they're. Uh, researching and writing papers and all that kind of stuff that the next generation is in their 20s and is probably an easier target. And so uh, Gen Z isn't any more self-absorbed than we are, than the, the generations before us. We just have new technology to, to that allows us to, um, new avenues for that selfishness to be on display, right? But I've been doing student ministry 10 years ago in rural community versus the suburbs, same self you know, selfish kids, just different avenues for it. Or you read historical fictions and read a book about a lady in the fifties right now. And just the self, uh, selfishness of the decision-making that she was making and other people in her family were a part of like it, it, it's, it's bridges the gaps of generations, but all the way back into scripture too. I mean, Jesus is addressing this with his disciples and with people who want to follow him. Uh, it is, it is not a new issue. Yep. So how do you think that impacts kids these days? And we all have, we each have three kids yeah. and most of them are in junior or in uh, elementary school. Lance has one in, in junior high at this point. And so uh, how do you think this impacts our kids growing up in this kind of culture? Come on, Lance, you go first. Oh, man, I, You're yeah. the marriage and family guy. Come on. Oh, yeah. So um, the challenge is our kids are growing up completely influenced by this self-absorbed culture. And so they're growing up with access to anything and everything they want. I mean, they don't even know what commercials are uh, if they just watch streaming TV. Like you remember back in the day when we woke up on Saturday morning, we had to sit through commercials or whatever junk was on TV to watch what you wanted to watch. Like our kids don't even know what that's like because they can select everything they want. And so, yeah. What's funny about that though, is I've watched like regular TV with my kids before. And as soon as a commercial comes on, I change the channel and they're like, what are you doing? We were watching that. It's yeah. like, it's a commercial <laughs> right. and they're like all into it. Cause they've never seen one before. They <laughs> yeah. think it's awesome. I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is like, you don't know how this works. Like you, you're not supposed to watch these. You just change the channel and you know. <laughs> come back to it in three yeah. minutes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it definitely in, is influencing our kids. And I'll be honest as a parent, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out and learn how this is shaping my kids because they are growing up in a different environment than, than I did. And so I know how, how that's all influenced me and I'm, a, I'm more self-aware of that, but I, I'm, still, I'm still trying to navigate and figure out, okay, what is this doing to my kids? What's this doing to our kids? Yeah, I don't, I don't know the proper marketing term for it, but I'm sure there is one. But the idea of like individualization of anything entertainment right now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So like we had certain channels growing up and now there are whole platforms and YouTube channels where it's like a very niche interest that you have, you can do that thing. Or instead of just listening to the radio, what the popular songs are, you have Spotify that you know, has algorithms that's building playlists for you around the kind of music that you like. It's all about satisfying your desires or your um, what you're looking for in entertainment. So it allows them to one, uh, be more personalized, but two, to find people that they want to follow. So this kind of celebrity culture, this influencer thing, it's like I can follow the people that are doing what I want to do and has created this whole YouTuber culture. So Ryan, talk about like your career day moment where you realized people are wanting to be a YouTuber. Yeah, I think I've, I may have mentioned it before. So there's a day I went to my kid's elementary school and uh, actually had the opportunity to speak on career day about what it's like to be a pastor, awesome. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And so uh, as I was walking around like the, the cafeteria during one of the breaks, I just thought, oh, okay, I'll ask some of the kids like what they want to be when they grow up. And there's a whole bunch that said they want to be a YouTuber. And I had never really heard of that before, but they see these YouTubers and these different people they subscribe to in these channels, and that's what they want to do. And I would ask like more probing, well, what is that? What does that even mean? Because this was a few years ago, and I didn't even know what it meant at the time. Um, 
and they didn't even really know. They, it was sort of like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to be famous right. type of mentality. And, uh, you know, that's just, I mean, that was third graders, second graders who were saying that. But right? it's not, that doesn't just come from our culture. I remember hearing a number of years ago, USA Today did a poll of parents of high school athletes. And uh, 24% of the parents of high school athletes believe that their kid is good enough to go pro. Mm. And so, like, even parents are believing that their kids are good enough. And we know that across the sports world, what, is it less than than 1% 1%. of high school athletes actually go pro in whatever sport they're competing in? So, it's yeah, it's part of the culture. And even outside of athletics, right? Like, there's a – I was talking to a parent the other day that his daughter is about to graduate from high school. She's going to pursue a digital communications degree. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's, like, the wave of the future. He's like, no. She wants to move to L.A. and be an influencer. Like, that's her her desire as a high schooler. And so it's not just a third grader that's saying that or an athlete – with aspirations, it's like, this is a whole culture of, look at me, this is, you know, I want to influence people, I want to be famous for being famous. Yeah, and it's, it's much more accessible than it used yeah. to be. So before, it's like, the famous people, I don't even know how you got famous, you know, like Tom Cruise, or people mm-hmm. like that, I mean, it's like the people you grow up thinking, oh, that's a celebrity, that's a famous person. Well, I guess you get in those positions by, you know, going to acting school, and you get these opportunities, and you work your way up. Nowadays, it's like anybody can just yeah. like get on there and you can have some viral video and then all right. of a sudden you've got a million followers and everyone just thinks, man, that's, I'm just, I'm one video away. It's yeah. one, you know, picture on Snapchat or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, it's pretty crazy, crazy. dance on TikTok away. I can, yeah. I can make it. See, see, have you been doing the dances? Well, Lance is a really good dancer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Lance true. has a rhyme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lance don't dance. <laughs> yeah. You guys know it well. Yeah. All right. So there, there are obviously some cultural issues that yeah. make, sure. or that, you know, contribute to kids growing up being a little more self-absorbed, but there's also just normal like developmental things that make, that contribute to kids being a little bit more self-absorbed. What are you guys thinking about that? Or how do you see it showing up in your family? Yeah. I mean, childhood development, all, everyone will tell you infants and toddlers, they, they only know their own needs. Everything is driven by what they're experiencing, what they want. And it's as they grow older, they begin to see the world around them and other people have needs and that they can look outside themselves. And then, you know, adolescent development from, uh, as kids go from preteen to teenager, they, they begin to change their ability uh, to think from concrete patterns into abstract patterns of thought. And so uh, it's really in the teen years that, that kids can begin to develop adult-like thought and see other people and real needs around the world and, and can be less focused on themselves. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about this with adolescent development that as a baby, as an infant, you are completely dependent on your parents in yeah. every single way. And then as you start to grow older, you're, you're looking for independence. It's like as a teenager, I want to be outside of my parents' house or I want to be able to make my own decisions. And, and teenagers think that independence is the ultimate goal. But real maturity is moving outside of those teenage years where you realize like when you have adult thoughts that you are interdependent. The decisions you make affect the other people around you. And so it's, it's guiding our kids from dependence to testing the limits of independence to really realizing that interdependence is, is the goal for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and actually, I think it's interesting to think about how um, you start to see in the teenage years, uh, as they're starting to grow up, they're starting to have a little bit more, a, a bigger worldview that, yeah. you know, they know, realize that things are existing outside of themselves. And so they start to care about causes that aren't so selfish and self-absorbed. And um, it's just interesting to, to see some of those things come about. So, I mean, they're not completely self-absorbed because they're starting to realize there is a world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even now, it's interesting to, th- to think about how they grew up in a, in a world, in a context of social media where even um, 
those who seek to make a difference in the world are still getting famous for doing it. And so it's almost like, well, yeah. how do you really do it in a, in a completely self-sacrificial way? So yeah. I don't know. Challenge to see that. Yeah, I mean, millennials specifically, but I think this is true of Gen Z too, is just this innate desire to make a difference in a world is a really good thing that we should bless. And, yeah. and the church can help cultivate that in the next generation. But when it's uh, self-absorbed, there's a sinful aspect that creeps into this innate, natural, good thing that God has placed in us to make a difference in the world. And that's part of helping raise kids to not be consumers. Yeah. So how do we do that? Like, what do you, what do you think are some ways that we can do that as dads, other parents who are checking this out, um, how they can raise their kids to be less inward focused, less self-absorbed, more outward focused, more giving, sacrificial, serving other people. Yeah, I was going to speak as the crotchety old man because uh, my kids, <laughs> the oldest millennial, in the yeah, room. <laughs> the oldest millennial. In the room. Uh, my, my kids love. Uh, a couple of those YouTubers, you know, like the, I don't know if you guys are aware yet because your kids aren't, aren't getting there, but Mr. Beast, you heard nope. of Mr. Beast? I think I may have. Okay. So he's got like this whole philanthropy YouTube channel that's separate from his regular one where they're giving stuff away and it's so cool. But again, it's one of those guys who's become famous and I hear my kids dialoguing sometimes about how cool it'd be to give cars to people or a hundred thousand dollars here or that. And like, I appreciate uh, they get excited about seeing needs and give, and meeting those, but but then the whole like becoming famous for that yeah. creeps in, and that's when I just get like, you don't want to be famous. Like I, I just talk I talk bad about uh, <laughs> the whole like fame culture, celebrity culture it, to try and just paint a bad picture for my kids. You don't want to do that. That's terrible. Those people are not real. Yeah. That's not, I should, rec- I should say, you should probably not be doing that. Don't take that advice. But that's like, that's what initially comes out of me is, yeah. is to just speak out against some of that. But, yeah. but there are some healthy things we can do. I, I think one of the ways, ways we've talked about before is it starts with us. Like if, if we're self-absorbed, our kids are going to see that modeled yeah. and they need to see something else modeled. And so seeing uh, acts of service modeled in selfless ways is really significant. So um, we launched the East 96 campus about four years ago. I remember my dad um, as a you know, 50 plus, I, mean, I guess he's probably 55, 56 at the time, uh, asked me, like, how can I best serve you and the church? And he's like, I don't want to step on your toes. Like, I don't want to be in, the, you know, in your limelight. And I'm like, I'm not worried about sharing spotlight or any of those kind of things. But he's like, I just want to serve the church. And the older I get, uh, I know that that's often in the background. And so we talked about just different ways you can do that. But right now, my dad shows up at 6 a.m. on Sunday mornings. He does the first impression setup. So he's pulling up all the banners and setting up all the signs. Uh, and he's taken on himself as one of those first impression things to scrape the gum off the floor in the cafeteria at Clear Falls High School and Bayside Intermediate. Because that's where people are going to sit. He wants them to have the best first impression. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. No one sees that, right? But, like, I see that. And the... the the model that has been for me of like what it looks like to selflessly serve and be a humble man, uh, it makes me wonder like, what am I doing for my kids in that same way? How are they seeing me serve uh, in ways that they would want to serve in the future? Yep. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, when you start thinking about your own heart and how do I, do I live in a, a self-absorbed existence or do I model yeah. serving to our kids and just my perspective on how I use my time, how I use my money, all those things. Yeah, it definitely has to start in your own heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah some some of the whole the the idea of serving where where no one will see it is that's more of an abstract way to talk to your kids about that. And so when they're younger, that may be challenging. I know uh, we have a 
uh, class here at Clear Creek, Reengage that we do. It's a marriage class. And we recently went through a chapter on serving your spouse and it asked the question, like, if you did things for your spouse and they never noticed, would you still do them? Mm-hmm. And that's always a challenging thing to think about in, an, in a relationship like a marriage. Uh, but I think there are some practical things we can do for our kids that, that get them excited about serving others. I know in, in, in times when it's like uh, coming up on Danya's birthday and I, you know, she's gone and you get the kids together like, oh, let's do something for mom. Let's serve mom or let's surprise her. They get really excited. And that's a, such a simple way to do something for someone else. And they get, they get excited about the idea of making mom happy, mm. of going out of their way. And that's, that's a simple thing. Like capitalize on natural rhythms in your family uh, and, and in your life where you can celebrate people or do nice things for them because it begins to build excitement for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that in our home, but also in the church. So in our home, it's like, all right, you have brothers and sisters. You know, we have a family of five. And so asking my three kids to, like, pick up the game room. And Evan's like, well, none of that's mine. It's all my sister's stuff. It's like, okay, well, we're a family. This is what we do. We love and serve each other. And so, yeah, you're going to pick up the game room and pick up some of your sister's stuff. That's one of the ways you can serve your sister. But then also thinking about, like, how do, I, how do we get our kids to think about the church that way? You know, for us being pastors, like, I don't want my kids to see the church as something that takes me away from them, but something that we were part of together. Like, hey, we're on mission together. And part of being on mission is that we love and serve our church family, too. And so, again, being a set-up and tear-down school, you know, church, uh, one of the ways we're trying to teach Evan that is Evan stays after church with me. He serves on our school reset team. So as they roll carts out of the room, we're resetting uh, the, the school for school. And so we set up tables and chairs, and he's unstacking chairs and pushing them underneath. And there's days where he's a selfish six-year-old. And he's like, I don't want to stay after. He's like, I'm hungry. But, dude, you're, you're learning to serve the church. Like, people have been serving you all day. It's, it's your turn to serve them. This is how we're going to serve. It's one of those we're trying to teach Evan. Yeah. And I think you guys are talking about almost like these, like, circles. Yeah. Uh, they can probably grasp those inner circles a little easier than the bigger ones. Yeah. You know, you start off with like your family, like here are the relationships that you already have and here's how you can serve them. It's funny. You talk about like not cleaning up the toys in the game room. Mm-hmm. It's like the way I respond to that is like, I start listing out all the stuff that I do. It's like, well, I didn't do this and I had to clean this up and I, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even get to eat that, but I had to make your lunch, you know? <laughs> so I'm not as, you know, I'm probably modeling the self-absorption, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do those things too. Yeah. yeah but it, it's also good to help your kids uh, start to see, like you're, you're talking about the different circles. I remember um, like our oldest, he's just always been able to grasp concepts at school really quick. And so he, he gets done those work quickly. One of those high achieving kids, pretty smart. And so I, I remember distinctly in second grade, sitting him down at the start of the school year and be like, look, man, uh, you're going to be in class with kids that you've known for the last couple of years. And uh, maybe look for opportunities this year to start being helpful at the table you sit at because, you know, they'll put their desk together, whatever. And uh, just start start looking for opportunities in, in places where you can serve others mm-hmm. by helping answer questions or help the teacher with stuff or like you, you have the ability to do that because you're gifted in this specific area. And I, I remember we had our first parent-teacher conference that school year. It's a couple months in. And so we're sitting down with this teacher and uh, – I just asked, like, hey, how's Spencer doing, like, with the other kids in the class? And she she just responded, oh, he's very popular. And I, <laughs> I laughed out loud. I was like, oh, that's that's not what I'm asking about. Like, I'm not asking if my kid's popular. I'm asking, is he is he helping and serving the other kids in the class? Because I have that expectation mm-hmm. on him. 
and you can't necessarily have that on every second grader, obviously, but uh, but it's an opportunity to help him flex that muscle a little bit in an area where I, I believe he could at mm-hmm. that stage of his life. Mm-hmm. So you talked about circles. So like you have your immediate family, kind of your church family, your kids you're going to school with. Yeah, what not are some even of those other... like probably some of their friends too, because they yeah. can sort of grasp like, hey, here's how you can serve the family. But then, hey, you have some of your friends and, you know, they, even if it's just simple stuff, like, hey, I'm drawing them a picture so mm-hmm. they can do this, or I'm going to make them, you know, I want to make cookies for a friend who's sick or something. They can start mm-hmm. seeing those opportunities to serve friends. But yeah, so you got friends or family, friends, and then church. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that we emphasize around here is trying to get uh, kids uh, of all ages, but really specifically as they start to get to junior high mm-hmm. and high school, that, that they can be a part of, of serving the church. Yeah. So I don't know how you guys see some of those, especially being in student ministry, the uh, the impact that, that students are able to make as they're serving alongside anyone else in the church, adults, and yeah. being in children's ministry and all those things. I was starting to think through that because we have young kids, but having done student ministry for several years, I don't know, combined, how long have we done student ministry? I don't know. You, you, you did a lot longer than I me. Did I did mean, five. Okay, yeah, so 13 years of combined student ministry. Yeah. That always sounds more impressive, right? Um, but those, those seasons, uh, learning what was helpful for students in their spiritual development, and a lot of it was to see themselves as part of the church, not a student ministry. And so we talk about intergenerational worship. That's part of it. But man, it, there's a big part of it of learning that I contribute in a role as a part of the church in serving. So in junior high, maybe you're a, a classroom aid and you're helping out. But I mean, we have high school students that are serving in tech booths and greeters and all kinds of places throughout the church, set up and tear down at East 96. Um, and we encourage that because it allowed people to have a bigger picture of the church instead of just their, their small ministry. Yeah. That, I mean, we've talked so often over the years about the data f- about kids who go off to college yeah. and then struggle to belong in a church because yeah. they haven't ever sat in worship services or been involved. I mean, serving is one of those sticky faith things that uh, it, it makes a difference in an adolescent's ability to see themselves as part of the church, exactly yeah. what you're saying. And then when they go off on their own, to know that that's what, that's what being part of the church is like. Yeah. And then they come back, having gone off to college, and they're like, man, yeah. I'm looking for a church, not just a place where I can go, but a place I can contribute. Yeah. Like, man, I was looking for a place that I could plug in and serve. Uh, and if they don't find that, they're not looking for the best preacher, or the best music all the time. Right. They're looking for a place that they can go in and serve. Yeah. And those are the kids that continue on with their faith. Yeah. Those are the ones who are following Jesus years down the road. While we're on student ministry, another thing we talked about a lot in those years was uh, developing a plan for kids to see themselves uh, as missionaries. So not just serving the local church, but seeing themselves as part of a global church and reaching people in on foreign soil. And so we used to talk about kind of a stair-step approach to missions, that we want to teach everyone the importance of that. We want to give experiences to as kids get older. So like you know, local missions in the city of Houston or out of state, you know, domestic trips or even international trips so that kids can see there is a world other than the world that they live in. Um, different neighborhoods and different countries and different poverty levels. And all of those experiences are super helpful. That was true here at Link City. But man, when I did student ministry in Kaufman, Texas, a little five, you know, really small, small town in East Texas, uh, we would take kids internationally. And some of those kids had never been on an airplane before, much less wow. a different country, yeah. but it expanded their worldview to see themselves as somebody, you know, a global person with a worldview uh, that's just different. I think that's helpful for kids too. So talking about, are we raising consumer kids? We need to teach kids to serve. We also need to teach kids that there's a much bigger world than the world that they're living into. Yep. Does that help? Yeah. It makes me think of Romans 12, you know, Paul talks about how he, you know, he calls everyone to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Um, and then he goes on to talk about how we are one, one body, 
with many members. And so this call to some ways, you know, uh, forget yourself and to be focused on other people, to serve other people comes from this idea of being rooted in uh, a a deep understanding and knowledge that we're part of a church body, a family, that we are... um, we contribute to that. We serve one another. That we're on this mission together, mm-hmm. um, and so I know that's something that we talk about in the adult services. Yeah, but I mean, sure. all the way down even to to peewees. I mean, we're teaching kids that this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. That you serve. And yeah. You're part of this family, and you're on this mission together. Yeah. So for me, the world that we're living in, where where we're we're consumed by this self-absorbed culture because it's provided for us, there is this tension because part of it's really great. Like part of it is I can, I can have a, a playlist curated for mm-hmm. me that I, I don't have to listen to songs I don't like because some algorithm has figured out to play songs for me that I, I, I really like mm-hmm. all the time. That's awesome. Uh, but we've already talked about all the tension that comes with this self-absorbed culture. It, the, I want to help my kids and I want to help really myself see the good aspects of the way God talks and the Bible talks about Christians, we each are given spiritual gifts. Like God has, has gifted us individually. We, we, can, uh, we are unique. We're made in his image. And there's, there's so much good that comes there. But there's also tension when we just focus on ourselves and like, well, this is how I'm gifted. This is what God wants from me. Or this is where God has called me. But to see ourselves in light of, of the, the church, the, the whole church, like we're one part of a bigger body, you know, mm-hmm. uh, first Corinthians 12, it's talking about we're, we're one body with many members. And so it's great to be a member. It's great to be who you are and unique, but also see yourself as, as part of the whole. Yeah. This morning I was reading Ephesians four, just as my quiet time. And I was, as I was reading, it was thinking about this podcast and there's a, a passage in Ephesians four verse 11, where it says, and he gave gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, and we've heard this passage before, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Like when we came to work here at Clear Creek, we sat down with Bruce and Mark and they said like, we're giving you a job that's bigger than your job. We want you to go equip the saints for the work of ministry. Like we want you to help other people see their place in the body of Christ and to learn to serve in that. You're not going to do all of that job by yourself. But the, following that, it says, so until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, uh, so that we no longer are children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. Something about like, are we raising kids that are consumers? Like, how do we do that? In the same way that we are to equip people for the work of ministry, we're to equip our kids to do that as well. It's part of the maturity process for them to see themselves with a spiritual gift, with a way that they can contribute instead of just consume. Uh, and it's part of, of growing to the unity of the body when we are helping not only the church do that, but our kids do that as well. Yeah. So how do you see people do that well in the sense of, you know, we talked about just the developmental stages of kids. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, being parents of younger kids, you have a desire to see your kids succeed and to grow. You want to help them out and you want to serve them. But you also know that as they get older, you kind of have to, you know, let them figure things out to grow to what, you know, Aaron, you were talking about becoming an interdependent with other people. And so, um, you know, in some ways pushing them out of the nest instead of doing something for them, teaching them how to do it, and then letting them try to do it and fail. And so, um, what's been your experience doing that? What's been the challenges of you doing that when you want to you know, just do it for them? Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to hear some of that. Uh, I'll start, but you should follow because my kids are still really young, right? So I think my kids are still in that, they're not infant 
dependent in every single way, but they're still so dependent. And so we talk about like, until you're mature enough to make that decision, I'm going to make that decision for you. So I'm not forcing my kids to do something, but like, for example, go back to like Evan serving on school reset. That's not his choice yet, but I'm making that choice for him because he's not mature enough to make that choice yet. So I'm not forcing him to it, but I'm, uh, I'm making a decision that will be formative for him. But I'm hopeful that there's a day that's coming when they get a little bit older that they choose to start making some of those decisions that I'm not making for them. So Addie Jo, my eight-year-old, is is probably more on the cusp of that. She's deciding um, and trying to test some of those limits of independence. But with Spencer being in junior high, when when does that that go from dependent to independent thinking? Oh, there's not a line. Yeah, I sure. mean, you know, it's it's a lot of back and forth. I I I guess I've thought of it this way. So, like you're saying, we're going to help make decisions for them when they're young, and so. Uh, money's a good example. Like mm-hmm. our kids, when they get birthday money or they earn money in some way, we have we have taught them from a very young age, like the first part of that you give. And so we have like, they each have mason jars and one says give, one says save, and one says spend. And so uh, like we, we're teaching them to give first. And so that's something that they have to do. They've always had to do with their money uh, in the hopes that as they get old enough to have jobs and like start earning real amounts of money, mm-hmm. significant amounts of money, then they've developed that habit. Right. But there comes a point where we, we can't make them do that anymore, mm-hmm. obviously. But I guess in the stage of life where we're at now, almost like heading into the teen years real soon, um, I find myself trying to ask really good questions that steer his thinking. So I can't, I can't sit down and say, I mean, I guess I can I don't want to sit down and say, this is what you're doing. But I, I do want to lead him to the right decision because he's not always at the point yet where he's, he's making the right decision on his own or the best decision or thinking through all the things. So it's like, it, it's lead him to where I think he needs to go because I know that there are years ahead where I won't, I won't be able to lead him as easily. Mm-hmm. He'll be more independent in, in making some of those decisions. And even as they start to make some of those decisions that they think they want independence, we know the ultimate goal is interdependence, right. helping them understand the effects that those independent decisions yep. had on other people, yep. right? So um, trying to think of an example of that, but like helping them see not, not consequences in a bad way, but like this is how that's going to impact your brother or sister. This is how it's going to impact your team or the band that you're a part of or whatever. Um, help them see the effects of that. So I don't think we have any of this stuff figured out, or at least we, so we wouldn't we wouldn't claim that we do. So um, put you on the spot a little bit, but have there have there been those moments where you feel like you are called out by your own kids for being self absorbed? And as you think about that, I'll give you I'll, I'll share mine first. <laughs> I'll share mine. So uh, there's been multiple times probably beca- uh, that I tend to I tend to drive to win. <laughs> yes, know, you, you know, do. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, that is something I need to work on. But I can get easily frustrated if I feel like everyone is is in my way. Mm-hmm. And there's been multiple times where it's like the kids are in the background, back back seat, and they're they're like calling me out on that. Mm-hmm. And because it's like I'm just I'm just getting frustrated at other drivers around me. And it's like I'm just I'm driving as this like self absorbed person that like my schedule or my desire to to win and beat everyone to the line or off the line is so much more important and then you know when your kids call you out on that you're like oh my gosh mm-hmm. i did it again yeah and then you know the next the next light man turns green and you just do it again you know <laughs> but anyway. yeah i mean i've had a couple of times with technology yeah, where I was, I was uh, 
I, you know, I'm on my phone or doing something. It, it may be good thing, but I, I distinctly remember our youngest a couple of years ago walking over to me and like she put her hand on my phone and kind of pushed it down and she said, "Will will you will you pay attention to me?" Like, mm-hmm. oh, that broke my heart because you know here I am focused on whatever it is I was doing, uh, and and she had been trying to get my attention and I wasn't I wasn't paying attention to her. And then just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, Spencer. He, I was in the kitchen doing something and he's trying to talk to me about school, something that's really important to him. And I was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he like walks over, he goes, hey, you're not listening to me. And I was like, oh, you're right. Sorry, man. Let me, let me stop what I'm doing and come sit with you and listen to you because I'm, I'm glad you said that to yeah. me. Yeah, technology was the first example I thought of. We during COVID, um, one of the things we tried to do was create Sabbath days where we literally would, you know, turn off all devices for 24 hours, none of that. And our kids loved it. And we would ask our kids, like, what's the best part of that? Like, you and mom didn't have your phone the entire time. And it was like, yeah. yeah. And so learning, like, I'm pretty absorbed in the things that I want uh, versus spending time with them. So they they ask for Sabbath days just for the point of me and Bethany not having our phones out. Yeah. All right, well, guys, thanks for engaging another one of these questions. I mean, hopefully we're not raising consumer kids. We're trying our best not to, uh, but hopefully our conversation is helpful for others. So thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks.